0: Welcome to the Stuck Mike podcast, the podcast created for all pilots, new and old. My name is Tim and each episode alongside guests and regulars, Davey, Robin, and Gary, we will be bringing you honest and open content from inside the world of aviation. Our aim is to create a global community for conversation and support and to tailor the content to you, the listener over each series. We bring you this podcast remotely as currently we are all grounded due to this pandemic. We sincerely hope that you find interest, support and enjoyment from the content. We aim to cover topics such as corona, mental health, failure and recruitment in this series as we focus on the world of aviation right now and what we hope the future holds. If you are enjoying this podcast, please like, review and share it as it allows us to create a larger community. Now, on with the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the next installment of the Stuck Mike podcast. If you're a first-time listener, we invite you to check out our previous episodes on topics such as can corona end pay to fly and can pilots accept failure. If you're a returning listener, we thank you for joining us once again, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast entitled Back to Black and how to plan your financial future as a pilot or a future pilot. Today, as always, we're joined by regulars Gary, Davy, and Robin. And today we are joined by a special guest, Mustafa, a.k.a. the financial pilot, as seen on YouTube and on Instagram. And we invite you to check out his social media as well as checking out our content on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn. Just search for the Stuck Mike podcast. Gentlemen, how are we? First of all, Mustafa, welcome. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for the introduction, Tim. You're very welcome. Robin?
2: All good, man. Thank you. Nice to be here. Davey? Yeah,
1: very good.
3: Full of energy, ready to do another one. Let's go. Yeah, and lastly, Gary. Yeah, I'm doing really well. It's nice, to, it's nice to be talking to you guys again.
0: Excellent. Good to hear, guys. So let's get into today's podcast back to the financial black. The aim of this podcast seems very prevalent at these times as the vast majority of us have gone through a large financial change in our circumstances. And in recent times, it's forced us to reevaluate our attitude towards money. So in this episode, we'll hopefully shed some light and insight for all pilots new and old. We'll probably split the podcast a little bit into beginning and uh, towards in your future career. So please keep listening, even if the beginning seems a little bit tailored for new pilots. Firstly, Mustafa, would you like to give us a little bit of introduction on who you are and what you do? Uh,
1: thank you, too. Yeah, I'm Mustafa, I fly currently the 737 as a first officer, previously I've flown uh, the 787 as a first officer and therefore I flew in Turkey also as a first officer on the 7.3. Uh, so I've been flying for a little bit over eight years and those eight years I realized that um, only working is not going to be enough uh, for the future, pension-wise, but also I mean, as a pilot it's... It's really important that we keep, for instance, our medical licenses, right? But what if I lose it tomorrow? Um, and and this kind of stuff made me think I have to do something else. And that's how I um, started educating myself on the financial aspect. And I've been doing that since the beginning. So also more than eight years. And now for eight years, I think I'm at the point I'm ready to teach other people or at least tell my experience to other people and how I... Um, try to get my financial situation on the black.
0: Okay, fantastic, thanks for the introduction uh, Mustafa. So uh, let's uh, get into the first uh, topic for today. First topic we're gonna talk about is, of course, first job, what to uh, expect and how to plan for it. Guys, what do you think?
3: I remember my first job. Um, Yeah, I remember it very well. I actually came out in 2008 And, um, I went there, obviously there was the, uh, recession, height of the recession or just the beginning, which, which way you want to look at it. Um, British Midland was, was cutting off all the trainees that they had lined up. And, um, I meant, I mean, I think I, with many people just mass applied and I was very lucky. Um, I, I got an interview just because I rang up and I was two spots behind there were two people ahead of me and I just because I rang up, they put me ahead of them and there was one spot for an interview. But in the meantime, to make any money, um, I, had, I had a loan and I had six months before I started paying that loan off. So I had six months grace, but uh, I was doing you know admin work. I started off as a shredder, I was shredding all the accounts and on the same get day I got promoted to payroll admin. So how about that for a temp? But, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it, was pretty ang- it was a lot of anxiety behind it in all seriousness. Um, a lot of money. Um, I, had to, I was paying off my mum. Basically, the money came from my mum's mortgage uh, or the, the equity that was in the house was released for me. And in return, I would pay off her mortgage, uh, assuming I got a job. So there was a lot of pressure.
4: Right, so... Um... I basically fell into my first job, like as soon as I came out of flight school it was the end of the, the end of the recession and I literally got an email from an airline like do you wanna come and do selection for us? And two months later I got a job so it, it went all really quickly and I know because I was twenty years old and before I knew I was like in an airline flying a seven three seven and when I got my first paycheck I just was like, Why am I gonna do with all this money? I, I wasn't used to like making them these amounts of money. And from there, I just started like asking colleagues, like, how do you guys, like, how do you handle your money? Asking your parents, like, what should I do? How should I save this up? Should I put it in somewhere? Should I pay my loan off first? Uh it just gets you thinking from there on.
2: Yeah, for me the same. I mean, um, the day I, started, I finished flight school, I basically had a job. I was uh, very lucky to get the assessment really quickly done. But of course, firstly, I had to pay my own type rating. So I wasn't really prepared to get an additional loan on top of my uh my uh my flight school loan but yeah if this is your entry to 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 your first job you just do it and yeah you make a financial plan to pay back this uh the type rating you additionally paid for and, but anyway so it's good to be flying immediately and shortly after the crisis hit, so I was happy I got a job just before
0: yeah I was the same I was also very fortunate to get a job uh, quite quickly but i had to wait about six months uh, before starting the type rating which also we had to to fund ourselves so i decided to get into more financial debt and do a flight instructor training which was another about six thousand pounds as well on top of the type rating but i decided it would be useful to do alongside flying and just also to have another string to your bow and see what it's like to instruct and um, try to make a little bit of money back that way But uh, yeah, after about six months of that, I was uh, starting with my first airline, but um, financially it was quite difficult because you weren't paid anything until you were released by safety pilot. So we had first month or two of ground school and simulator training. And then the first month of mine training as well was unpaid because you needed uh, 60 sectors, I think, before you were signed off. Uh, So it took a long time, almost six months from the first day of working. So there was also a large, cost that I wasn't anticipating really because it was six months almost off of, of and on in hotels and uh, paying for meals paying for uniform paying for everything so it took me I ended up getting into a little bit of debt in that first six months That it took me probably the next six months to get out of that first bit of debt even before paying back the other debts because I had one year of grace period like uh, Gary had one year before I had to start paying my flight loans
2: yeah, there are a lot of hidden costs uh, when you when you finish a flight school. I mean they don't they don't really prepare you for the hidden costs like like uh, like Tim said, like paying your own hotel, being at location, paying your own food wherever the type rating is. So yeah, I mean, when you start at a young age, you don't have a lot of savings you can use for this, but of course, when you start a little bit later with the education, maybe you have a lot of savings, so you can use this to cover this period, but I had to take another loan.
3: I think I think it's very much all or nothing at that point. Um, as I said in the first episode, it was very much like starting up a business, all or nothing. So the pressure was on. Yes.
2: Yeah, so you just have to hope that you make that you make a good investment and you get a return from it.
3: <laughs> exactly. This it's is a true. risky business. Yeah. But it's funny. I, I wasn't, do you know what? I wasn't even my first job, turboprop job. I I really started from, I'd say I started from the bottom, the way, you know, the old ways. Now you know, we're here. Like, turbo, Sorry.
4: No, sorry, I was just making a joke, but it didn't oh. come through. Well,
3: I I I did the old ways, you know, started turboprop seven in the years, turboprop before I even touched a, a, a jet. And um Yeah, for me the same. I,
2: yeah.
3: Yeah. And 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 I was on about 19,000 pounds a year, you know. I I was, you know, it wasn't exactly like, you know, a lot of guys went into EasyJet and 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 you know, your your Ryanair's and um you're on about 40, let's say 40, 45 uh grand a year. Um, I was on about half that, and you know, I, was, I was taking home about twelve hundred after tax. It was still pretty tough. It was st- I couldn't start paying my loan off to to my to well I couldn't start paying my mum, and so she could carry on paying the mortgage. So there was still a bit of time, because uh, I had other loans to pay off. There was still, I I still had to, I couldn't I couldn't start paying the actual flight training off for a while, even after I started my first job. So
1: I started in two thousand ten. There was also not a good market for uh, West Europe, but when I got out of flight school two thousand twelve there were no at least there were no real jobs in 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 Western Europe except for the pay to fly and um I found a job in Turkey because of my second nationality and I went there and uh, I mean I still had to pay for my type rating, but the deal was that I would get a three year contract so I was like okay three years to pay the type rating, I could basically earn that back and then to be honest it's still 8 years later i'm still paying back my uh, f- my flight school loan uh, i'm halfway through now but it is something to really take into consideration especially now as that uh, most i mean now even there are no jobs out there but i think the in the netherlands the whole system changed for example you cannot get a loan anymore to to do a, f- a flight school uh, training so all you have to have that money or you need to borrow it from someone you know so that's quite tough, but I think the most important thing is the for the, your first job to get those first hours, and thereafter it's easier still not easy, but easier to to get a second job or to grow into a position where you can make more money and pay it back. but as you guys already said it's it's like an investment you have to think about it
0: yeah that's that's definitely the case and I think like uh, We've we've got five people sitting here and I think we probably all started on, on five different salaries. But probably the average of all of those is somewhere around thirty, forty thousand Euros per year maybe. And um yeah, and I don't know how many of us were also living at home, which is the other thing to consider, because um uh if you look nowadays I mean the majority of people, including us sitting right here, most of us started in our early twenties. So we didn't have much to fall back on, but also we don't likely not likely to have kids or families but if you're starting flight training a little bit later in your 20s or early 30s then you really have to bear that cost into consideration as well because no matter what you earn if you're not living at home you're going to be paying for it in commuting or in a second house or a second car which
2: yeah. is quite well, a big, after my, big uh, loss i did when I, I was still living at home during my flight school but my first job i had to relocate to valencia in spain so for the first time in my life I moved out of the house and I also had to go abroad so it's quite a, a big challenge to, to arrange everything financially for the first time and even by going abroad and everything so you don't really have something to fall back on by, li- by staying and living at home with your family or something so this is also a thing you have to consider what's the, what's the first job located you know but anyway you don't really have a choice you just go there.
0: No and that's, that's also uh, very difficult as well because most of the time you don't know where the first job is right? And, uh, I've had a conversation with people considering being prospective pilots in the last four, five, six years. And at the time, about two or three years ago, there started to be airline sponsored training. And I would tell people, of course, that that has to be your first avenue, because not only is there a, a higher chance of getting a job, maybe even a guaranteed chance, but also you're going to know where you're going to be based. You're going to know what you're going to earn. So at least you can make some kind of financial plan and I wish Uh, In hindsight, I wish knowing back, but obviously I was 19 when I took the flight loan. I didn't know really how much I was going to earn. You you see a salary and you think, okay, that amount of money and this is what I can use. But it also depends if you get the same salary every month. Is it fixed? Is it variable? Can you have any control on the variability of the pay? So I would have, going back, I would have liked to have a much better financial plan. But the thing is, you're a little bit uh, sort of starstruck by the initial look of the salary. And then you think, okay, maybe I, this year I'm going to earn 60,000 euros. So I've got 4,000, 5,000 every month. But that's not always the case.
1: I think with with the uh, the looking at the salary, I mean, it it's easier if you know, okay, I'm going to work in Germany and this is what an average pilot earns and this is how much tax you pay. But for instance, in Europe, we all know in every country there are different tax rules depending on if you live there or not. And there are tax exemptions and even after eight years and have been working there, I still don't know exactly the, the tax rules of every country I've worked in. So it's really difficult to know beforehand, okay, um, this is how much I'm gonna earn or this is the tax benefits I can have. So I think we all did what we did by chasing the dream of becoming a pilot without really thinking about, okay, this is a big loan. Will I be able to pay it back or how long will it take me? I was thinking I would pay it off in five years, but uh, that calculation did make true because yeah, I, I didn't. I expected to stay at home, so I didn't have any rent costs and, and not extra living costs. But that didn't happen. I moved to Turkey. I had to rent a house, buy furniture, uh, stuff like that. So yeah.
3: When I started in the first company, it was in Plymouth. Um, I actually got my drive. It took me four times. Without digressing, it took me four times to get the driving license. I got the driving license a week later. Went for the interview in Exeter in England and uh, got the job. And then a week after, I had to take. I literally had to drive, and I thought it was a couple of hours. I drove from London, where I live, to Plymouth. The base was in Plymouth, which is three and a half, four-hour drive. I had no idea what a three and a half or four-hour drive was because it. I'd never really driven before, and. Um, I think when it comes down to money, I never really understood what a good salary is, what a bad, well, I say a bad salary, but what a reasonable salary is. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a pilot or or it doesn't matter what you're doing. It just, I never really understood the value of what a decent salary was. Um, So I think, uh, you know, I got a bit more sort of au fait with it, a bit sort of more knowledgeable as time went on, but it would have been more beneficial to know how to manage tax um and what the value of money was um at that time going into the first job i think well the value of money
4: is uh, sorry yeah well the value of money i think is perceived very differently by everybody because some people they can easily live off let's say a thousand euros to pay their bills and their food and stuff and other people are just like i can't like it's 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 different for everybody every living situation is different so when it comes to your first job probably by the time you get the first paycheck you start thinking like oh i need to do it with this like it might be a little bit less than i expected but i can make it work and i found even uh because of covid everything and everything happening you went from a pilot salary to a furlough salary or um a part time job in a supermarket salary i found that i adjusted myself quite quickly so i think it's a bit of in our nature as well to adjust towards what we're given in that situation like that's part of our job as well
0: but the thing is with that is of course that is completely true but what i found especially with say the the pilot life financially as opposed to others is that um you're not really always in control of most of those costs and for example like i my first base i was based in italy and um when you move to a new country there are different things like you must pay rent up front and maybe a deposit up front and all these kind of things and you you can't really budget for that stuff it doesn't fit within your salary because if you if you take like a basic principle of what you earn net save 20 percent of it to actually be able to do that with having a flight loan that you pay and a house that you're paying for you almost need to earn eighty, ninety, 90 100 grand to even be able to save 20% and you also need to be able to save that amount of money in order for these costs and after six months I was moved on to another base where I had to pay four months rent upfront so all the money I'd saved in the previous one I'd spent on four months rent up front in a new place and it's it's so difficult to to manage that and so what I think personally what I would prefer to have done looking back in hindsight is I would have preferred to have borrowed more money or had an option of, of more money to borrow, so that instead of getting into debt and then having to repay it um, in terms of overdrafts or credit cards, I rather do it on the flight loan in general. Because at the point when you get into your um, kind of set routine and system where you can start paying it back, it's better to have one loan. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. the The, the thing with with what I did is I looked at the uh, lowest. Paying jobs, basically. I think back then it was around around 2,000 or two thousand to twenty five hundred uh, euros a month, and I just think, okay, how much do I have to pay the back the back to the bank? And that was around, I think, a little bit over a thousand euros a month. And I was like, okay, can I live with more or less a thousand euros a month? And I was like, yeah, as I said, you know, try to live at home or uh, live really cheap or share an apartment, anything. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm willing to take the risk. And looking, I mean, one of the things I, I tried to do as soon as I got my first salary was to save up six months of uh, of the expenses, you know, so six months worth of rent, six months worth of utilities, six months worth of uh, the the money I had to pay to the bank. And of course, that's that's uh, tough, especially the, the money you have to pay back to, to the bank, because it was for me the biggest expense. But I, I got to that point and I was like, okay, from now on, the six months is okay. Let's try to go to 12 months, you know, just to to push myself to uh, to save up money. And what I did is I, I, I used rules uh, by, okay, what are the most important things I have to pay and all the rest. And then, then the money which was left over, I just said, okay, this is the amount of money I'm going to use for myself to do some fun to- stuff and the rest I have to save because otherwise if something happens, uh, I'll have a, I have a problem. And I think also that uh, financial uh, um, discipline gave me a little bit of a rest, so I was not stressed out to, to, you know, to wait until the end of the month.
0: Okay, great guys, thanks, that's very interesting points. Uh, let's move on to the second topic I wanted to discuss. And that is a little bit of financial management in terms of the flight loan, which is for most of us, our largest expense that we need to pay back over a large period of time versus say housing and investments, getting on the property ladder. Mustafa, what do you think?
1: If, if I know, if I knew back then what I know now, I think initially I would just add, uh I would much earlier started buying real estate not real estate for myself. I think most people will still find find a cheap apartment to rent and share the apartment with someone else. But then use the money I could borrow for a mortgage to buy a property and rent it out. Because the thing what you do then is you create something which is giving you some cash flow. And that cash flow will pay off its markets on its own and it will give you a little bit of an extra which you can use to save or you could use for uh, other payments, maybe to pay your flat school loan quicker back.
2: And there has been a situation in Holland as well. Um, I think uh, for me, this is not the case, but uh, that you get registered when you have like a a pilot debt, like a big loan, and they will add it up to your uh, maximum you can borrow from a mortgage as well. So they register you with the government so they can see you have a huge pilot debt and you cannot edit it edit, you cannot rent more than the maximum amount because you have this and I think I was still uh, they didn't they, they do it for me but a few generations after me in the flight school they they, they were registered at the government against their own will because it, it was mandatory for the school to do it so they they, they could get a very little loan for uh, for housing so it's difficult to to start when when you have this big debt then.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, of course, it's. It, it, I know that rural the Netherlands, they came up, but it's not in every country. And the other thing is as well is um, because I had that issue buying my house two years ago, and I I bought the house, I got the mortgage from the same bank I have also my uh, uh, flight school loan at. And they would say, okay, normally we have to take the whole sum of a uh, student loan and account 2% or something for it, but because... Uh, they have an agreement for pilots. They only look at the real expense. So there are ways around it to to, to make it happen. And you don't have to buy an expensive apartment. You could buy a an, an cheaper apartment um, and let it work. And also there are options, depending on which country you are, to do mortgages um, together with someone else. So for instance, with your dad or with your sister or maybe with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, so there are ways around. I, I think looking back, I would have... Uh, done a similar thing, but of course, uh, at the end it's easier talking than 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 in the beginning. I, I know uh, some examples from from colleagues in Turkey who did it the same way. They they were renting themselves and they bought a house and rented it out, and at the end uh, it was quite a successful investment.
4: Yeah, what well, what I've basically done. oh Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, what well, I did in the beginning because. I knew the interest rate on my school loan was quite high. So the first year and a half, I just saved up as much as I could and pumped it all into the school loan. Then my interest fix expired, and I got a much lower interest rate because you're you're paying off considerably more than we thought. So I got a nice discount on the interest rate. And after that, I started buying property, um, which I flipped after two and a half years and made a lot of money off it. So I am nearly done paying off the school loan and because my interest rate is so low now i've got a bit more space to do other investments like real estate a bit of stocks other stuff related to that so it's it's yeah you have to look in the numbers and just make it work in your specific situation your location family situation etc yeah one of
0: the things which i found which i, I hadn't considered before is i i I always took a look at the flight loan, and in my situation, I had a flight loan which had 9.75% interest, which was extortionately high, but it's because in the UK at the time, they weren't giving educational flight loans to pilots, so it was a high-risk uh, high risk loan for banks, so they gave an extremely high percentage, and I, and I basically tried to pay off the debt as quickly as possible. Um, but actually, what I discovered a few years ago was uh, that instead when i bought the house which i now own uh, after a year or two the house price had gone up a fair amount and what i could actually do instead was take the loan into my house and that reduced my interest rate from 9.75 to 2.1 percent and of course the issue with that then is that you you have that in your the house that you live in whereas i think if i would have realized this a bit earlier i think what i would have done is a little bit like mustafa suggested i would have got an apartment and rented it out and then try to do that with that apartment, and then let my my money work on the apartment that I'm renting out that's got my flight loan in it. And then once that's paid off, then I've got rid of my flight loan basically. Which I would love to have known that ten years ago.
3: The retrospective point of view of that, I think, is um, not everyone has access to a new, uh, housing. I mean, I had nothing. Uh, that's why I had to go to the well, say the bank of mum, um, you know, and rather than put it on her house we she uh, well my mum and dad were actually in a process of a divorce at the time and um, the money that my mum had was to be invested into the house uh, and it was positioned in unit trusts at the time uh, and some of that money was available to withdraw on so my mum withdrew that money I used it for flight training and in return I paid off the mortgage as I said before but uh, it, if you've got nothing behind you it's, it, it, it makes it very difficult so the way I did it was to get involved in financial trading, um, yeah, for me, um, to start off while I was teaching myself, I was just making bits just enough to commute back home because I wasn't driving, so I we we flew back from Plymouth to Gatwick, we had a route there, and I was just doing the odd sort of standby travel and just making the little bits of money that you know you you, you kind of spend, here and there, just trying to compensate that with trading. Um, so that was kind of how I made bits of money in between just to get by.
2: Yeah, for example, in Spain, uh, I want I to buy a property in Spain, but you need to bring so much own money. That's almost impossible when you start your first job to 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 buy a house there. I mean, you, I think you need to bring like like twenty percent of the amount of the house. So it's 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 all it's practically impossible if you don't have a big savings already.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, for every everyone, it's a little bit different situation, but. Um, I think the most important thing is that you do something or pay your school loan quicker or try to get something uh, like an investment in stocks or in you know nowadays cryptocurrencies or um, something else. I think that's the most important thing. I think if you just you know uh, basically don't do anything, don't save money, don't invest or don't pay off your loan. I think that's when the real problems could start
3: so I think someone told me someone told me job the definition of job is just over broke and if you, you you know nowadays you just can't I know it's a career but it's still a job you know I just don't think you can rely on it solely
0: no and that's that's part of the problem as well isn't it which is like that you also have to bear in mind that you as a pilot are probably um, going to have to provide your own pension as well so not only do you need to invest or in property or investments for um if for your flight lines, but you also need to think about it in terms of your pension as well. And that's why I think property is probably the one of the better ones to consider in that respect.
1: The, the, the thing also with the good thing with property is if you rent it out, it will generate you uh, cash flow. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people say cash is king, but I, I think that cash flow is actually the real king. Uh, because if you just have a pile of cash sitting in a corner doing nothing, it, it's basically like a melting ice cube because of the inflation. So I think the, the uh, creating a cash flow is much more important, and this can help you in, in even if you lose your job you know, or, or you need to take one or two months off for, for a family situation, that cash flow will give you that freedom. And I think that's really um, important to generate.
3: Just coming off of what Mustafa said. If you watch uh the film I know it's a bit uh, basically if you watch the film Wall Street and Wall Street 2 if anyone's ever seen it um the one thing the commodity you actually learn is that money is not the uh money's not the most important factor time is and if you've got money you've got time so I, in my experience if if keeping things going whilst you're trying to build on a salary or whatever keeping as maximum amount of time going, even if you're paying minimum amount of money whilst you're building a higher salary or building an investment, you're giving yourself time, which is a bigger commodity than money, in my experience. I
0: think mean, that's always the thing that's, that's made me shy away a little bit from investing until, until this point now, uh, which is that I've always learned that with investment, you, you, know, you should always put in money that you don't need right now that you couldn't need and you can use it to build up and, and to compound over time and to be perfectly honest I've despite having variable salaries for the last 10 years I've never really been in a position where I could not need the money anytime and that's why I always well, that's why I prefer to look towards property because then you always have the possibility of a uh, of a static income where you can be generating money without having to do anything with it and with investments I was a little bit wary of it because I think unless you have a large savings separate to your investing fund uh i think it's it's slightly dangerous because then you if you have to go into it because you need money then i think it's it's wasting the money you're putting into investing
1: the thing with is is i mean a lot of people i, I talk about this topic as well especially now as they say well every time i was like well i still have time to do it i mean don't worry about it i can still do it uh later on or i will wait until i get the upgrade or and then i will do it or whatever their excuse was. But I always say your first priority should be, okay, this is the money I get more or less every month and you should put a certain percentage of it aside. And what you do with it, it's, it's up to you because you need to feel confident with it. I'm, I'm, I'm really confident in trading. So I don't mind even trading on margin, which means I'm trading with debt because I feel quite confident in it. But if you're not so confident in it, then of course, yeah, it's better to have to save some amount of money let's say six months worth of uh, monthly expenses then you have that aside if if something happens and then build anything above that and put it in extra payments onto your loan or put it in down for a down payment if you want to get a house to rent out or uh, put it in a savings account i mean how i started into this investment is i started looking at index funds which were tracking big companies like the s p 500 and they give an average of 7 to 8% a year. Even an index fund in, in, in that matter, 7 to 8% a year, and you don't have to do anything. You just put your money in it. It's still better than the savings account today. And, the, the, uh, and what I eventually did is I looked into those like, okay, these guys are picking companies or they have companies in it. I was like, okay, I'm just going to pick the, the top 10 of them. And that's how I started uh, picking my own companies, basically.
2: Nice, yeah, uh, I, I know what you mean, but now for me, example, I lost my job in Corona time. So for me, it's just to consolidate my, my money at the moment, you know. I, I have time to invest, uh, I, I probably have the skills to do it, but I just have to check what's going on. The future for me is too insecure at the moment to invest large lot of monies, which I might be needing it later on uh, at, at hand, you know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, of course, it's quite a
1: in, in this situation, of course, I mean, uh, it, it really tough because what do you do? Um yeah. but I You want to move
2: forward but you just can't, you're just kinda stuck in, in, in between both Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I know that feeling. But the the important thing is also to do this actually when when things are going good. And then um, you know prepare yourself for if this happened. If you would have invested let's say five years ago and you would have now some money working for you, maybe the amount was a little bit because you were only five years down. You know, you know everyone knows the compound effect. It needs time to grow. But even now, an investment of five years ago could have given you some cash flow, which would give you a little bit more time, a little bit more freedom, and you would be a little bit more comfortable in in this situation.
2: Yeah, it's true.
0: Okay, excellent, guys. Um, Let's go into uh, the last topic we want to talk about uh, this evening. Uh, We're talking about the financial recovery, especially from perhaps from furlough or from bankruptcy uh, very prevalent in these times in Corona uh, and also beyond that sound financial planning. So uh, as our expert on finance, Mustafa, what do you I have to say I think one of that?
1: the important things is um, to, I mean, of course, if you've lost your job in Corona time, I think you're really busy trying to get another job or to try to get another job uh, as things go forward. And the important thing is to generate more cash flow and then, if you're able to generate multiple uh, incomes, so not depending on one income, because we have seen what happens if you are depending on one income, most probably you'll lose your job and you will have to use uh, your savings to to cover the time until your next job. And then I hope you learned from your mistakes because uh, that's how I learned by making mistakes the last eight years. So for the financial recovery, it's really important as I said again, to, I mean, okay, you have a job, but try to find something next to it. It could be investing in stocks, could be crypto, could be maybe an uh, something, an online business where you can sell, I don't know, something like an Amazon or or uh, in the Netherlands, you have uh, Bowl.com. Try to get that cash flow and also um, maybe try to save more money if you can from your salary. So for instance, one of the rules, a lot of people use uh, uh, budgeting rules are the uh, 50, 30, 20, which is you use 50% on your needs, 30% on the wants. So the things you want and 20% on savings. And of course there are different variants of of these, but at least have a rule. doesn't matter if if it's exactly this rule, but you need to, have a good financial picture. Okay, this is what I need to pay my loans. This is a, this is what I need to pay my house. This is what I need to, uh, you know, for my utilities, and then try to have a certain amount, fixed amount, which every month you put aside, and that will help you uh, in the future. I find this also
0: quite interesting because I've also been I've been following Mustafa uh, the financial pilot, and uh, especially now during this time, I've been trying to reevaluate my financial situation and. I was looking a lot into this 50 30 20 in general and i tried to work out how many years of the last 10 years i could have even abided by that with what i was spending on what i perceived to be wants or needs even in that case but i think especially the first five six years with the flight loans it almost became almost became impossible to do that especially with a family i found it very very difficult but So i always have this thing where uh, especially in low-cost companies or in airlines where there's a fixed salary for first officers and then a salary for captains there's often a perceived um, thing that from especially from older captains in companies that 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 first officers are racing to the left-hand seat because they want to be a captain and i think a lot of the times because you've invested so much money i think a lot of people are trying to race to the left-hand seat to what they see as financial freedom because that allows them to live on this kind of 50 30 Twenty rule but having been in that position myself where i was earning uh, more than six figures a year and now in a position where i'm earning almost half of that i'm realizing that even on that half salary i can live by this 50 30 20 principle and that's what i'm going to try to bring forward that when i get back to that six figure point that i stick by imagining that i'm going to be earning 60 70,000 euros a year for the rest of my career because you can't finance you can't plan financially on a 100 grand a year in this profession that's
1: correct i think it doesn't even matter this uh uh profession or not but i think there was an um uh they did a research uh some time ago and they were basically saying that after i think it's 80 or ninety thousand a year that anything above that doesn't make you any happier and and to be honest i know i mean like you guys you all have friends who have maybe lost their entire job and don't have any money coming in at all. And even they, they survive, I mean, they find a way to survive. There's always a way to survive. But the thing is, it's imp- it's you need to get your mind around it. I mean, we we see a lot of things of like, oh, I need this. But maybe you don't need it. Maybe you could delay it a few months or even a little bit longer. And I think the 50, 30, 20 rules is a, is a good basic to start with. And I mean, of course, in the beginning, if you have that flat school debt, it's a little bit difficult. But then try to walk away around it. Maybe live with your mom and dad for a little bit longer or share an apartment or share a house with someone.
4: Yeah, this this comes back when I said a couple of minutes ago about adapting. Like I used to spend quite a lot of money on my my wants, like doing tractors with my car, making my car faster, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And as soon as I lost my job, I was like, oh wait, there's hardly any money now. And then you start going, okay everything goes on hold you know you don't you don't go to the supermarket and just buy everything you want you start looking like okay I need to eat for this amount of money for a week how is the best way to like buy it is cheaper buy that cheaper you go to a different supermarket etc so what I found is when you get the money as a decent salary you get comfortable and you just start spending without looking and now I'm on a lot less because I'm not flying like every euro or pound you get any like oh wait this needs to be spent this way this needs to be spent that way and now i've got it under control i'm actually quite happy i'm not flying at the moment but i can still like take my car for a drive take my girlfriend out for dinner you know buy myself something nice every month so as long as you get your head around the game and you know what you want i think you can make anything happen you can make anything work even the, the lowest of income
2: Yeah, but the the thing is, I mean, everything is closed now. All the countries are closed. You cannot go on a holiday. So now it's quite easy to save the money you cannot spend. But when everything is opening up again soon and all your friends are going out for dinner again and you still don't have a job, then it will be difficult, more difficult to adapt to the new situation. Because now everyone is in the same situation and then now everyone is saving money. But you actually need the money more than anyone else. So when everything is opening up again, you'll be sitting home alone and then you'll reconsider your financial status again what
4: didn't i just say like i was taking my girlfriend out for dinner and stuff i mean i think we're a couple of weeks ahead of you guys here
3: so <laughs> i don't know because I, I i i'm big on you know going out eating i was going you know um before all this i was sort of going all your wagamamas and nandos and all that but over the past time i've been learning how to make pizzas all your sort of yeah, we food. can see that
2: on you. Uh, we can see the pizza on you now, uh, Gary. And I, I, I make
3: homemade pizzas. <laughs> I make homemade, like seriously, it's, it's like. And then after a while, Pete. Like, I mean, do you remember the days when pizzas used to cost like eight pounds or like ten euros? And now it's like thirty euros or twenty euros for a, for a pizza. It's called a business model yeah but it's ridiculous and 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 i'm now I'm just making them a home and and you're saving thirty quid a go now but then saying that people say, Oh yeah, if you just cut that cost, I'm not a big like okay, if it's like thirty forty pounds you're saving just for one meal, but when people try and save ten pounds here, feel five pounds here. Oh yeah, but then you can you know then you can use it. What you know, people think you can make money doing that. I don't buy into that. I don't buy into this cut those little because co- what you end up finding is that you cut the cost from one place, but then the cost ends up going out somewhere else. So I, 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 I you know I don't really I'm not sure I believe in all that kind of cut unless it's a big cost like you know fat cost. I I don't know how much I believe into that.
1: I mean yeah that's correct. Sometimes I have people saying to me well. You know, If you don't go to Starbucks every day and you save that money, then it will be so, so much blah 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 after so many years. I'm like, yeah, but you know, that that few bucks is not going to make me rich. It, it won't make you rich. Even if you put the numbers in a compound calculator and you put it in 30 years away, it's not going to make you rich. But the important thing is to, to of course, I mean, if you want to go to Starbucks, if you want to go to pizza, you could go, but it, you have the 30% uh, wants. So but make sure that you have a certain amount. You say, let's say, okay, this month I have 200 euros for my uh, wants. When that amount of money is, is is zero, then for that month you're done. So if you try, but you need for instance, discipline for that. <laughs> you need financial, but this is but that that's what that's the thing. And we're not educated on this not during your school life and mostly not from home and. Some people say, "Well, that's that's because that that's how they want to control you, you know. You, they want you to to spend your money because that keeps the economy growing." And the people who get really rich, you know, like Warren Buffett by investing, those are people with high financial discipline. And of course, you you don't have to be the next uh, Warren Buffett. I mean, I don't want to become a multi-millionaire by doing this or a multi-billionaire. I just want to make sure that if the next crisis happens, which is going to happen, I don't want to be in the same situation as I am now. Or as I was before, I want to be in a good situation, I have kids, I want to be sure that they are still able, you know, to, to, to get the stuff they want. And for the future, I also
3: want to have a good pension if I retire. Just just one thing from what Tim said about um, going from first officer to captain and people doing it to get that that higher salary. Do you know, the one thing I never wanted to do was rely on being a captain to get a salary. Um, I wanted to be a captain because I was fit for the role and I had the right amount of experience to do that. I never, ever, ever. The one thing I never wanted to rely on was when it was my job in terms of promotion, because you don't know. Number one, you don't know lo and behold you don't know if you're going to still be in that job you know how long it's going to take to really get to that position you you know and and for me relying on getting to that command role just to get that extra 20 grand a year i don't think that works and 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 i really would say if you want to make extra money don't rely on getting promoted
0: no and i think my point to that was that you know especially when it's prevalent in low-cost companies because the the salary difference from first officer to captain is it's not 20 grand it's double. it's double the salary and, um, and it represents a point where you can really have adequate savings every month and you can start investing and what happens is, is that in those situations you're flying with guys who have been working as a first officer for four years, they become a captain and now they're starting to buy property and now they're starting to make money on their returns and you're sat there struggling to pay your bills every month because suddenly you've had to change um, base and you don't have any money left. And I'm not saying that that motivates you, but it is a stress and it's something that that, that goes there. And we all know as professionals, we want that first command to be because you're ready. But I think a lot of people who are upgrading in their 20s, I think, you know, most of the time they're mature guys and they do well. But I think also if they had the option to be in a company like a legacy carrier where the salary goes up and up and up and up, and even as a first officer you're earning enough money for financial freedom, or maybe even less, as we're discussing now, that you actually really think you need, um, I think there's there's less pressure on that. And I think what I meant by that more is that some people think that people are rushing to be a captain, when actually it's it's more of a financial pressure.
1: The the, the thing is with you know chasing that that upgrade. Beside of the money, it also the thing you have always, you have been studying for, you have taken the education for, you have been taking the education to become a captain. You have not taken the education to become a first officer. I mean, that's where you start. But the venture goal is to become a captain. And of course, the salary coming with it is also a little bit of a motivation. But I think the, mo- the most important thing is, with, uh, at least what I learned in the, in the last few months, especially in this situation, is that you should not rely on your job. Because The job is, you're giving time, you know, time and effort, and you're getting money back for it. But what I want to do is, I want to give my money, putting it in an investment or something, and that needs to create more money, which could buy me time. And then you could easily say, okay, you know, I don't care if I'm going to work 50% or 60%, or maybe I'm going to take three months or one year off, and I think that's, Freedom is much more important for me than to become a captain or or something else. And of course, it's easier talking if you still have a a monthly income still coming in, even in this situation. But the mindset we have should be different than just focusing on on a job or on an upgrade, because the upgrade might never come. uh, You don't know.
2: Yeah. And for me, I had, quite, I had a quite turbulent career with many companies and bankruptcies and stuff. So you're constantly chasing your aviation career. You're constantly busy developing yourself in aviation and changing jobs and looking for the better options that you don't ha- actually have the, the space or capability and time to invest and find other ways to earn money. You know, because you're so focused on aviation, you have to succeed in aviation that you just don't have the energy for it to, 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 to look around you for something else. So, uh, of course, when you have a job and you work part-time, then, then maybe you can focus on other things to, to to create a second stream of income. But otherwise, it can be quite hard with commuting home. And, uh, you know, I mean, you have to have a kind of balance in your life to to create a situation as well.
4: Uh, I think it depends on what kind of company you are. I mean, if you're in a long-haul company, uh, you spend a lot of time, like, in the bunk where you can work on stuff like this. So when you're in a layover and, you know, it's raining outside and you're in a place you don't really like, you this is what I used to do on, on place where I didn't really want to go out just started planning stuff like this instead of just watching Netflix all day and of course it's yeah, different yeah. if you work like a five day on four day off with two kids at home and you have to sort all your stuff on your day's home and while you're flying you're busy 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 so it's 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 really hard to like plan this kind of stuff and again it's it's different for everybody I can ex- say things for my situation that probably don't apply to many of us and vice versa but,
1: but- but then again, I mean, there are investments which you don't have to do a lot of uh, uh, research for or you don't have to educate yourself a lot. For instance, an ETF, an S&P 500 ETF, um, an index fund basically could, gives you in the long term, gives you around 7 to 8%. I mean, if you put away 20% of your monthly income to savings and you put it just in, an, in that kind of an ETF, of course it's not it's not, it's not gonna double uh, in a year time, but in the long term it will it will be a quite a big amount. Um, and I think that's where where you should start. Um, a lot of people they wanna they, they try to say, okay, what's the what's the rule to get rich or what's the rule to get a millionaire? But it doesn't come overnight, it doesn't come in a week, it doesn't come in a year. It uh, it, it, it takes time to to, to to let it grow. And I think the advantage is you can use the compound effect. But for that, again, you need, as you guys already said, you need some kind of discipline. You need to put in a certain amount of money, a percentage away every month and put it in a, uh, in this case, if you don't have the time and you don't have maybe the motivation to to look into it, into an an ETF fund or something which can give you a steady uh, interest on your uh, savings.
0: Yeah, one point I'd like to make to that is one thing that I think I've learned is um, because of my 10 years in aviation, my my salary has been so variable. I I even put like something extra into that, into what I'm planning now for my futures. I'm planning on basing a financial plan on 50, 30, 20, like Mustafa was talking about, but I'm planning that on 60 to 70,000 euros a year and fixing it at that because I don't really know how much many years I'll earn more than that. Some years maybe even earn less, you don't know. And then I think I want to try to every every, every uh, euro I make more than that then try to work out how to make that money work for me. But I think one of the things where I've come a little bit unstuck over the last 10 years is that uh, I have been doing something along the lines of 50, 30, 20. But it's been based on the salary that I have. And unless you're in a legacy carrier with an increasing salary every year, that's also a little bit of a risky financial plan in a lot of ways. And I've seen it now with Corona. because. What I could afford two years ago, I can't afford now, and I think I'm going to try to base my finances on on that number because that's about the average pilot salary. So if you base it all on that, then at least you should have a sound financial future. And then with that extra money, you have to be really careful what you do with it. You need to think about that as money that you want to give you time, basically, like you say and stuff.
1: Yeah, the the uh, I mean, it's a good point you you're putting out, Tim. And uh, the the thing with I mean, how I did it is when I started flying in Turkey, I was saying, okay, uh, I'm getting around 3,000 euros a month net. And of course, there were some extras and bonuses and stuff like that. But I don't took a net to I just took my basic salary. I said, okay, 3,000 euros a month. I need to live from this amount of money. I need to pay a little bit over 1,000 to the bank. So that gives me around a little bit short of 2,000. I want to put at least 1,000 into savings. So I had 1,000 left. So when I went out, I mean, Turkey, the rents back then were quite cheap. I think I paid around three or four hundred euros a month rent. So uh, that, that's quite cheap. Um, but I, I tried to do it and I managed. And of course, sometimes in a month, you don't put thousand away, you put 500 away, uh, which was fine because I, comp- I compensated it when I got my bonuses of, or my overtime payments. So... To have a, a, a rule, it doesn't have to be the 50, 30, 20, but to have at least a rule, and and as you said, to to basically lower your standards or lower your expectations is also a good way to start with it because if you say, well, this is the money I'm going to earn, and, and the, the, the 3,000 thing is still something in my head. I'm always thinking, okay, 3,000, okay, basically, I mean, now I can do a little bit more than 3,000, but I'm just taking that as a... as a, as a, as a virtual goal, okay, more or less, that should be my expenses a month. If I can cover that, I should be okay. Even if I lose my job and, and need to get another job somewhere else. And the other thing
0: to bear in mind with that is it also depends on what career you have, but one of the other things which I maybe didn't consider or didn't think about in the past was that um, I, I've been working as a long haul pilot for six years now. And the flip side to that is that it's not always easy uh, if you have a partner for your partner to work a huge amount because your roster is so especially valuable with kids that it's very hard, yeah, especially with kids so uh you also have to bear that in mind as well, especially with your financial planning it's 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 a difficult job with two of you earning money it's not always the case, it's not a fixed and fast rule. But it, it does get very complicated when you have kids. I know kids are also expensive, by the way. So well.
4: does this make the question, is a vasectomy a good investment? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. <laughs>
0: maybe not in your marriage. That probably costs more than kids if you get divorced. But I, don't know. Uh,
1: I, I flew. I have a funny story. I, I flew with a, with a captain. He, he retired with another airline, and he was flying with, the, with our previous airline. Uh, we we've both flew before. And I asked him, what's your, what's your financial advice you could give me? And he said, you really want to know? I said, yeah, I really want to know. He said, the best advice I can give you is never get divorced because Amen. And he was, and he was divorced three times. <laughs> so he I said, mean, that means never marry. That's <laughs> the or, best advice. Or <laughs>
3: freedom, chill agreement.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are ways of, oh, but, but yeah, basically yeah. he was saying, is, he said, a lot of with coming back to your relationship, it's really important. But as a pilot, you're away a lot of the time. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of um, you ask a lot of, of of your partner. She needs to be, or he needs to be independent. She needs to take care of her own business when you're gone, and it could be one week, two weeks, whatever. So um, that's also something you should really look into. I mean, I'm not saying don't get married, or or if it, if if you are fighting constantly, don't get a divorce because it's going to cost you money. But it's something you should uh, consider about uh, in this financial planning as well. What will happen if I? Um, you know, do some stupid stuff and I get a divorce, that's going to cost you as well a lot of money and it will throw up your whole financial planning and it will you will need more
3: time to recover from it as well. One thing I was going to say is, in my experience, if you are going to get into any investment, if you are going to look into something else, business, finance, whatever you're going to do, just make sure that all your basics are covered first. Whatever you do, whatever your salary comes in, Cover the basics. Make sure the bills, the loans are covered first, and then work on your excess and what you can use to go um, into into entrepreneurship or finances, so that then you never have to worry about what's going to go out. It will always be paid. So no one's going to chase you. You know your creditors aren't going to come after you because you know it's paid. So, and the other thing is also it's it's for
1: instance another uh, example you could do is you could buy, uh, you know, certain stuff like for instance watches. Which, which hold their value. And it's nice, you know, you're nice, you can show your watch and blah, blah, or you can just put it in a safe. But you can buy it, you know, let's say you get your bonus and you buy a watch and you just hold it. And then after a while, you need the money. You can sell your watch. I mean, you might lose a little bit, but you're not going to lose a lot of it. I mean, the thing with cash is we don't know how inflation is going to develop. But for instance, with stuff which can hold the value or for instance, gold. I mean, of course, gold, Prices uh, fluctuate as well, and I'm not saying that good, gold is a good uh, is a good investment, but at least it's a little bit better than cash. What and do you
2: think, Mustafa? Is uh, starting an airline a good investment?
1: No, <laughs> you know, you know the same, right? If you want to, if you if you are a billionaire and you want to become a millionaire, just start an airline. Um, just start a lot. The thing, the thing with an airline is, especially nowadays, is the margins are are, are really uh, small. So. To, to become successful, you need a, a big market share. And a lot of airlines try that. They try to be cheap until they get a big market share and then they slowly increase the prices to, to increase the profits. But to get there, you need a lot of money. You need a lot of uh, political power. You need, there are more things you need. And I think for Slave us- Slave
2: pilots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> pilots who don't complain about the yeah. No, but That's impossible. <laughs> Pay-to-fly
3: pilots. Someone told me me that the way these new air startups, these airlines work, really, like the the new sort of low-cost carriers, is that they're a bit like Uber. They actually don't make money. They rely on the share price just going up and up and up and up. You know, they don't actually make money in the beginning. They have obviously the race to the bottom with the price they don 't they 're not making money out of the sales. The money is in the stock market in, in the actual share price, and just getting everyone to buy, getting the value of the company up and then reaping the the, the, the money off of that that 's what I mean, i've been told
1: that's that 's true but they're also um i mean as an airline you have a lot of tricks, and airline is a really interesting business because. You get paid for a product you're selling, which is basically a flight from A to B, but you only have to deliver in three months, six months. You, you need, you're you delivering in the future. You could sell tickets today for for next year's summer and not even have an airplane, not even have a an headquarter, and you could, you could still sell those tickets, and then you figure out on the way if you're going to buy planes or lease them or f- ask another airline to fly f- for you. So that's really interesting with airlines. And the other thing is also what a lot of airlines do is, especially if you're new, you could go to, let's say you want to operate with with 737 or an A320. You could go to Airbus and Boeing, uh, negotiate with both of them, get them to, because they both want a new client, because it means additional airplanes they didn't count on. So they will give you a huge discount. You buy the planes and then you sell them to a lease company and you make instant profit. I mean, a lot of, a lot of airlines have been have been doing this. They have been bu- buying 100 airplanes. They sell them to an, a company and they lease them back. So they create instant cash and they just pay them off monthly or, or they rent them monthly. And if they don't need it, they just say, well, sorry, I don't need it. You know, and they cancel the contract. So an airline, yeah, you could do it, but it's not my recommendation. <laughs>
0: Okay, perfect, guys. I think that's uh, really, really interesting uh, conversations. Um, Mustafa, thank you very, very much for joining us. It's uh, really
2: interesting talking to you. Uh, we hope you had a good time.
1: I, I did indeed. Uh, the pleasure was all mine.
3: Thank you very much. Guys, Davy, Gary,
0: Robin.
2: Thanks, Dave. Pleasure once again.
3: <laughs> Best podcast we've done so far, I think. Best one, I'd say.
4: Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this one. It's, it's nice to have guests and spice things up. Yeah, I, I like it. Very good. Looking forward to the next one.
0: Perfect. Okay, guys. So that's uh, thank. You, lastly, thanks has to be to everyone for listening. Uh, we'd please like to invite you to like, review and share the podcast if you've enjoyed the experience. Season one is uh, almost completely recorded, so we're looking forward to sharing with you all new and exciting content in season two. And what we'd love is for this to become a bit of a community. So we'd really appreciate it if you get in touch with us and if you have some suggestions for what you'd like to hear on Season 2. Otherwise, stay tuned for the next installment of the Stuck Mike podcast.